1: is the pack a day podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of a pack a day podcast wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz and I'm going to be your host on this Sunday, July 10th. We are like 15 days away from the start of training camp. We are two weeks away. We are almost there. As I talked with Jimmy last week, still not a whole lot of news surrounding the Packers right now, which as we talked about last week, not a bad thing. As far as the time of year, it's, we really don't want to be, you know, someone like Baker Mayfield finding out that uh, he played like 40 hours of Halo leading up to a Packers game. You know, I mean, you don't want things like that, even though they've shipped him out of Cleveland by now. um, You know, it's just still you're at that time of the year. You don't want a whole lot of news going around. I mean, probably the biggest news for the Packers this week was that weird ass tattoo that Aaron Rodgers got on his arm. I mean, I liked it. It, yes, Jimmy, it's a talking point. It's interesting. I have no idea what it means, but it I
2: mean, doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter what it, it doesn't have to mean anything to us. And it could make no well, sense right. if he actually explained it. Like you could sit down and he could explain it for four hours and you at the end of it still be like, I don't get it, but that's okay. As long as he likes it, that's all that matters.
3: Okay. But the real question to this, how long do you think it would take him to explain the whole thing over under hour and a half?
2: Probably over an hour and a half, but that's fine. Like, I I'm OK with it. I mean, granted, because that would just mean I get to talk to Aaron Rodgers for an hour and a half and even <laughs> to just be in a room with him to just talk to him for an hour and a half would be incredible. I wouldn't ask him a single thing about the last two about the last it's t- 14 months or whatever it's been. I wouldn't do that until we were done talking about the tattoo, because he seems like the type of guy that would just go into excruciating detail about every single pixel of art on the thing he's like okay so these three dots right here mean this and that would be entertaining as all get out to me everybody that is in mainstream media is going to just talk about oh it's him being weird and this and that and the other but at the same time you're getting to listen to a guy who over the first majority of his career was pretty quiet and then over the last two years we've gotten to hear him be really open about it so i think it would be a lot of fun to hear him explain it but it would definitely take way longer than the average person would care to listen.
1: Absolutely,
3: this, ha- this has to be the weirdest, like one of the weirder off season talking points, right? Like everyone, like I definitely posted on Twitter just because, like, Oh, it was cool. You got a tattoo. But like the way people are going in on it, I did not, I was like, wow, we were really, this is a dry season for content because we are, people are actually talking and harping on what a man got tattooed on their body. <laughs>
2: I mean, it's just what people want to do with Aaron Rodgers now. They want a reason to talk about him and they don't have the, oh, he hates the Packers narrative. So they can, now they're just going to nitpick everything else he does. I mean, what every, did you not see everybody nitpick his new girlfriend, Blue, the whatever her Blue name is? Sky
1: or something what, did, like yeah, that. Yeah, everybody had, Witch everybody Doctor? had something to
2: say about that. Who cares, man? And, and then everybody had to say, oh, look, his girlfriend's definitely gotten to it with the new tattoo. And it's like, have you not paid attention to him for the last, year where he has been saying all sorts of like otherworldly things and definitely sounds like a guy that like meditates and is big into all of that stuff and was doing that all before he ever met her. I think that we all gave Aaron Rodgers way too much credit and thought that he was a normal dude. And we're now realizing, Oh no, this dude is on his own planet and that's okay. But he, I think like everybody gives him way too much credit for thinking that he can be swayed. So much. I was like, I think he's just an odd duck and that's okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's going to be on the Pat McAfee show again this year, right? Like I would assume he was on
2: there on Tuesday.
1: Was he? Mm-hmm. Did, did he talk uh, about it? I I missed it. I didn't. Did, did I didn't have a tattoo. Know, by I didn't know that he was
2: on it until some. I think it was Zach Jacobson. I think tweeted something about it. I can't. It was either Zach or it was somebody else. I didn't know that Rogers was even going to be on there until I saw somebody else tweeting about it. And then by the time I saw it, it was already. It was too late. He was off, and I just forgot to go back and watch it.
1: So yeah, but, no. So,
3: it was they, he posted it after he was off the show already. Okay,
1: so I mean, this is definitely at some point going to come up the next time he's on the pat mcafee show right like pat's yeah. got to ask him like hey explain the tattoo and we'll probably just get a smile and what a brief a brief explanation of why people probably shouldn't care about what his tattoo is i, I don't know some but-
2: super it'll be some super vague thing that doesn't actually explain anything but he'll smirk and think that he explained something without explaining anything yeah that's probably what we'll get
1: yeah So, uh, Jimmy Christensen, Gage Bridgeford's joining me today on the show. Um, so we started off with, you know, some Packer news there. We got like, that's the leading headline for the Green Bay (laughs) Packers right now, which I mean, again, like I've said, if that's the leading headline right now for the Packers, we're in a good spot. You know, we're not talking about, you know, early injuries. We're not talking about, you know, is Aaron Rodgers going to show up to training camp like we were last year. So, you know, it, it's a it's a dry spot. We're going through July. We're almost there. There's gonna be content, but it's one of those it's one of those weird places where we want something to talk about, but at the same time, like I'm glad I'm not sitting here talking about something like, Oh, is Aaron Rodgers showing up for training camp? Or so and so, you know, hurt his knee and may miss like ten weeks, you know. Glad we're not talking about it. So um, Gage, Jimmy, you guys were listening to a podcast earlier this week where they were ranking the co- current coaches in the NFL um and so we thought it might be fun just with not a whole lot going on um to if so we kind of um we set it up as as painting it as you know, we're starting a brand new franchise and you've got to rank your choices of who you'd want for your head coach for your team. And we just we were going to do our top five for each of us. Um, so we'll go through that. And we we I know all three of us. Uh, we have an honorable mention. I think Gage might have two honorable mentions for his list, but um Jimmy, why don't you go ahead and start us off here? We'll get the list kicked off. So um, you're starting a brand new franchise. You've got your your pick of coaches. Who would be your top choice right now, currently, with the way the NFL sits for their head coaches to be your head coach for your new franchise?
3: So is this my honorable mention, or is this my number five? I say go oh. honorable
1: mention first.
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we'll
1: start honorable mention, work our way to one.
3: My honorable mention, uh, fanboy in me, uh, I'm going Matt Lafleur. Uh he was I had him written down at number five. I crossed him out for a man crush that I have, uh that I will mention in a little bit. But LaFleur, three seasons in a row, uh 13 wins. He's made it to the NFC Championship twice. Obviously, last year we had that dud against the 49ers, but my biggest thing was Aaron Rodgers played horribly in that, which I don't know. There's that's a different debate and topic. I'm sick of talking about, but LaFleur's done really well changing the offensive round from the Mike McCarthy era. Uh, now we're a run heavy or a, a, we're bringing in the run. We have the play action based off that going to, from the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan system. Um, he really is a product of that. And I think he, he does really well getting players to buy into the system and the you You can't knock his track record. He's had 13 wins in all his seasons, So he's definitely a great head coach and he'd be great to start a franchise with.
1: All right, Gage, you've got uh you've got two sitting there, don't you?
3: Yeah, I,
2: uh, I lied. I have three honorable mentions. I just kept looking at him. And every time I would look, there was another guy that I was like, oh, this guy's definitely got to be on the list. And so my first honorable mention is Andy Reid. I love Andy Reid. And if this was a, hey, we need this coach for this season, Andy Reid's on the list. But at 64, he was the oldest of the eight coaches that I had. And I'm not really yeah, I like I said, I had three honorable mentions, so that's six, seven, eight. That's where my eight coaches are. So he was on there. Um, I had Kyle Shanahan as one of my one of my honorable mentions. Uh, I think he's a great coach, but I think he's got his flaws, and I think he comes up short in a few areas. And I think that there's just other guys that are better. And then this is one that I actually made while we were while you were introing. Um, Frank Reich slipped just outside of my top five. Um, I love Frank Reich. I think that he has gotten a short straw that um that just and that ryan grigson broke andrew luck if ryan grigson doesn't gm for the colts frank reich is looked at as one of the top three coaches in the nfl right now because andrew luck doesn't retire but instead andrew luck was so beat up and retired i get like one season with andrew luck had his best season of his career was healthy never got hurt had a great offensive line everything was going well they came up short but again it was their first year with a head coach so you're gonna kind of have that they didn't have Jonathan Taylor yet, etc. So that's where. So Frank Reich just outside of my top five. I literally switched that as we were introing.
1: All right. So I I just have a real quick question for you, Gage. I just want to make sure I heard you right. Did you say that Andy Reid was the oldest coach of your oh. eight that you had there? Yep. So that At tells 64. me something. Very All of my coaches are young. All of my Co- coaches
2: are younger than sixty-four. Which Andy Reid's one of the like three oldest coaches in the NFL. So I'm not telling hmm. you much.
1: Well, you're, you're telling me that Bill Belichick is not on your list, and I, I'm sure it's because of age. But starting just... a
2: franchise. Right. That's That was the whole thing. We were like, yep. That's why we said at the beginning, if we were starting a franchise with coaches, Bill Belichick is 70 years old. In case yep. you guys are unaware, that's <laughs> old. So, yeah, no, I'm not starting a franchise with Bill Belichick. I think that he is the GOAT coach. Uh, I am lucky enough to have been born and lived in the era to watch the greatest Coach of all time and the great the greatest winning quarterback of all time play be together. No, he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. Not getting into that argument today, but they were together and I got to witness that. Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. But if I'm starting a franchise today, like you somebody said, Hey Gage, you got to start a franchise in random place, USA. What coach are you getting? You can have anybody you want. Bill Belichick is not even in my top eight. He's not even out, he's not even
1: top ten. He might be like thirteenth. Interesting. All right. Well, hopefully I'm not the only one with him on my list then. Uh, (laughs) You you uh,
2: are the only one with him on your list. I'm pretty sure Jimmy doesn't have him.
3: No, I do. Uh, I do. He's just
1: not not the top guy on my list. Well, I didn't realize so you
2: made that mistake, Jimmy, my bad.
1: <laughs> so my honorable mention is also I'm I'm with Jimmy. Uh Matt LaFleur was my honorable mention as well. Um you know, he's been great in his first couple seasons with the Packers. Um there's really not a whole lot against him. Uh but one of the things that I always personally do is You know, like obviously, being a Packers fan, it's always easier to look at your team and your coaches. You know, with just a little bit more than you know, maybe maybe it's just a little bit of bias. Um, So it's always harder for me to um, necessarily put my own. It's just a personal thing with me to always think that my players, my coaches, whatever, are you know top tier. So um, he's he's a great coach. you know, gauge just in the conversation that we had. Um, my number five is Bill Belichick, and he's number five. Literally, the only reason I have him at five is because of his age. So that's one of those things where I could easily flip flop those two um, as far as, you know, having LaFleur be the younger coach. Um, but uh, yeah, Matt LaFleur, my my honorable mention at number six. And then obviously, uh, I just I just spilled it. Uh, my number five is Bill Belichick. Uh, I know he's 70 years old, but. Um, you know, greatest coach of all time, it's if he's still willing to coach, and if he's still coaching right now, and if he was, you know, I mean, everything that he did with, you know, Mac Jones as a rookie, um, he's clearly got the ability to, you know, especially too, like, if you're starting off a new franchise, like, getting players is, you know, going to be tricky in the first year but I mean if you can get the right coach and get that franchise you know on the right track maybe he's only there for five years and you turn the reins over but you know one of the most important things I feel for you know if you're starting a franchise make them relevant you know you're brand new nobody cares about you so how do you make your team relevant well winning is the easiest way to do that and it's Doesn't mean that if he's your coach that you're, you know, going to be going to the Super Bowl in year one or two. But, I mean, there's going to be intrigue there, and he's going to make your team, you know, probably pretty good. You know, we've only really seen him, you know, as far as success-wise. I mean, he spent most of his career in New England, and that's gone well for him. But, you know, he's definitely, I consider to be the greatest coach of all time, so he's got to be on my list. So, um, Jimmy, I know you've got him on your list somewhere, but who's number five for you, Jimmy?
3: And he is a good head coach. Uh, He's made the playoffs all years he's been there. They were the number one seed last year with their best player being hurt. I went with Mike Vrabel. Uh, I love the man. I think he – also hearing the stuff I – like Lawan says about him, Will Compton, just he's a player's coach. He gets everyone revved up. He gets them all on the same page. He's motivating. Uh, I still love the thing he did against the Ravens when they were on the logo and the Ravens got all mad about it. and Vrabel came out and started yelling at Harborough like – that stuff if I was one of his coach or one of his players I'd run through a wall for the man uh, I think he'll get them on the right track he'll get them it'll be a tough football team to face like we see the Titans right now Brian Tannehill I don't think's that great of a quarterback but he's in a strong system to make him appear to be a competent quarterback like he's not as bad as he was in Miami but he's on a system right now that's making him do well um, it's gonna be a, a run heavy team but Vrabel, like I said he, you're gonna be tough hard nose get everyone on the same page. He's like a Dan Campbell on steroids. He's a successful Dan Campbell. Like those two give off similar vibes, but Vrabel I think actually has like a little more technique to him than Dan Campbell does with his yelling about biting off kneecaps. Like they get their players to fight. And I think that's a, that's a good quality to have, especially if you're starting a team.
2: I, I, I think Vrabel's a decent option to, Uh I didn't, like I said, I didn't have him on my list. I didn't even have him under my honorable mentions. I probably could, I could have, but I just, and if we had done like a top 10, he would have definitely been in there. I just, I will say about the whole getting on the logo thing. If I remember right, didn't the Titans do it first? And that was the whole beef there was yeah that like the Titan. Okay. So, so as far as I'm concerned, the Titans getting mad is just soft. I mean, you got like that. You did it first and they did it back to you.
3: Did so they you get mad be, about
2: that. Uh, I mean, you, you're soft. Like, it, like I didn't, I didn't know
3: they got that upset. I'm, not, I'm with you. If you did it first, then they, they do it back to you. You guys played each other. It's a, a little rivalry. Harbaugh didn't there.
2: yell at Vrabel when, but Vrabel had no problem going out and yelling at Harbaugh. Like Harbaugh was like, "Look, let's go ahead and be mature, move on from it." And then that's, that's all I'm getting at. I, like I said, I, I think Vrabel's a good coach. You were, you're right. He is a player's coach. He gets the most out of his guys. We've seen that with guys being in Tennessee and then leaving Tennessee and Roger Saffold not look great in Tennessee. He was really good with the LA. I think Brabel has gotten a lot out of guys like Derrick Henry and Tannehill, who I always thought was going to break out in Miami. He never did. I know that as a guy that drafted him in fantasy, like every year for four years, <laughs> uh, my, but we'll go ahead. And we've gotten both of your guys, number five, and this is my switch that I made. It's Sean Bay. And the there's, there's one reason that I don't have him number one on this list. And it's the fact that I don't know that he's going to stay. If you could tell me, hey, Sean McVay is going to coach guaranteed for the next 15 years, might not always be with my franchise, but he's going to coach next 15 years guaranteed. He'd be number one on my list, no doubt. But the problem is that I he could easily leave at any time. There was a, there was rumors he was going to retire this offseason. And it could just be that those were rumors and didn't matter and they weren't anything. Obviously, it's clear that it was just a rumor. He's still coaching. But I can't guarantee if I have, I have to worry about him leaving and waffling every other offseason like he's Brett Favre in his prime. I just – I don't want it. That's the only reason that he's not higher. Like, that is – he has been a great offensive coach. He just let his team do a Super Bowl. He's got a – set. he's won 70% of his games in the playoffs. He's got a 67.9% win rate, uh, which is 10th all-time among qualified coaches. Um, That's better than Bill Belichick. Obviously, Bill Belichick has coached much longer. But he's got – he's been great. And he did it with Jared Goff. He's now doing it with Matt Stafford. He just – is winning with a model that no one else has ever won with. And with the ability to do the stars and scrubs thing he's, and he's able to coach up guys. Like Cooper cup was somebody, nobody really thought of. He was third round pick out of Eastern Washington, if I remember right. And then he just went and won the wide receiver triple crown last year. So, and also his tree is everywhere. Like he's got his coaching tree is all over the place. I know that I have at least one of his coaches on my list today. And unlike the bill Belichick tree, the Sean McVay tree is doing very well, even though we all thought Zach Taylor was going to be fired last, before last season. But oh yeah, we, if he had a dud year
3: this year, he would have been gone.
2: But so yeah, Sean McVay, the only reason he's not higher is just because I don't know that he's going to coach anymore, but still yeah. that's why like, I had to put him on the list. Cause he's, he's still only 36.
3: Yeah. So, and especially with that now with the deals that people are getting to be in the booth, like that has to be tempting for a head coach. Like, Oh, way less work. And I get paid way more. Yeah. Like why
2: not? But yeah, that is the only reason he's not higher is just because he might leave. If you could, like I said, if you guaranteed he's going to be there 15 years,
1: he's number one. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I didn't I've got Sean McVay on my list and I didn't even I didn't even think about that because I forgot that. Excuse me. I forgot that they had those rumors. And um, yeah, that's it's making me. I'm I'm not going to edit my list on the fly here, but that's uh, I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, that's that is a good consideration.
3: Um, Jimmy, let's go to you. Who's who's number four on your list? uh see this is where i have bill belichick i have him at number four kind of going to the same points he's old but like nick said what's the best way to get your franchise on the map winning and it it obviously is not going to be like him and tom brady going to the super bowl every year every other year that it felt like like he's gonna get you relevant he's gonna play to the strengths of the players we saw that with that game where against buffalo where they literally threw the ball like five times like he's he's or three times he's going to adjust it yeah three times he's going to adjust it to whatever's going to make the team win and he's going to make them relevant even if it's going nine and eight the first year or eight and nine like that's look at the texans they're still not relevant they're the newest team in the league and they've had barely they had a few years when they made the playoffs um and now they have lovey smith and a pot possibly a lawsuit against them because of the sean watson thing like it it's just a a cluster of a of a franchise. So, bring Bill Belichick along, get you on the right track right away. I think that's the best move to do.
1: All right. Gage, who do you have number 4 on your list? Number 4, I had
2: John Harbaugh. Um, Harbaugh has been good for a long time. He's been uh he's coached for uh, he's, gone playoff, he's gone to the playoffs, he's gone to the playoffs. He's 11-8 in the playoffs. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won an afc championship he's won four and afc north titles he's got nine playoff birds he's won an ap coach of the year probably could argue he's won more than that he's been there since 2008 so he's been there through multiple regimes uh in terms of like he had joe flacco and then and won a super bowl with him he's got now lamar and completely show and he showed that he can completely overhaul his system depending on who he's got so if i got a guy that hey, I got to bring you in and I need you to come and just change what, whatever system you run because we don't have the guy you had, I can have confidence that he can do that. At um, 59, he is he's the oldest of the five coaches that I have on this list. And like I said, I put age pretty highly in my consideration here, just from the standpoint of it matters in terms of starting a franchise. But I still think that he uh, shows youth, he shows vigor. Um, I think that he is going to be able to adapt. Also, I like the fact that he has a, He's not just an offensive minded guy. He's a special teams coordinator uh, at his roots. He's got, I know that he knows defense well. He's got defensive minded coaches that can, he can bring with him. So that's why I got Harbaugh on this list. And also you said winning matters. He's got it. He's 0.609 win rate uh, for his career. He's 34th all time among qualified coaches. Um, So, and he's also done that over the course of 14 years. So unlike Sean McVay, he's got a little more tenure under his belt in terms of hey, I'm bringing a winning culture here because this is what I've done. He had a few down years in the middle where Flacco kind of floundered and whatnot, but I think that he can bring uh, winning to wherever we're starting a team. Yeah, he
3: was number seven on my list. He he was he was high up there. He's, he's a great coach. I had
2: him all over my list while I was making it. I wasn't sure where <laughs> I was going to put him, and then I was like, you know what, he's 59. I'm going to put these other younger guys ahead of him.
1: Yeah, John Harbaugh is definitely a great coach. I like the Harbaugh's as far as like their – Their personality, both of them, I know they don't, uh, I know, especially with um, Jim Harbaugh being in San Francisco, I know Packer fans don't necessarily like him for a lot of different reasons, but like, I just like the mentality that both of them have as coaches. Um, whether or not you like them as individuals is a different question, but just the way they approach the game and their teams i I personally really like their mentalities that they have, which is John Harbaugh is on my list um and uh that's that's one of the big reasons why he is on my list so uh my number four though um probably after just the conversations that we had i'm I'm willing to bet at this point I'm the only one with him on my list. I know he's not on gage's list. I don't think he's going to be on Jimmy's list. Um, I know he's 64, but I have Andy Reid on my list. Um, He's been a solid, consistent coach throughout his career, um, Philadelphia and in Kansas City. Um, I know that right now it's easy for him to look great when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. But I mean, if that's going to be your argument as to why he's great, then I'm just going to sit and say that Matt LaFleur is only good because Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback. So, I mean, you can make that argument, you know, all day long. He was good with Alex Smith, who I mean, Alex Smith was you know, he's a he's a better than I I think he's better than what most people gave him credit for throughout his career. It wasn't as stable um, as, you know, he would have liked it to be. But I mean, he he took the Chiefs from kind of irrelevant and, you know, from when he took over in Kansas City and made them good. And I mean, you know, he made what, four or five straight NFC title games with the Eagles. I know he what only won one of those um that he was there for. Um, but you know, he's been consistent. He's he's been a really good coach. And I mean, um, I know at sixty-four, if I if I'm putting Bill Belichick on there at seventy, um, I couldn't put him any higher than four because of his age. But, you know, if he's definitely if he's gonna be around for the next, you know, four, five, six, seven years, you know, till he's into his early seventies, um, I think he's a great coach to have uh, to have there at number four.
3: Yeah, he's not on my list, but he is the track record speaks for himself. He's He's one with pretty much everyone revitalized Michael Vick's career. So I'm always happy about that.
2: Yeah. And like you said, he was like, he was great with Alex Smith. He was great with, he's been great, obviously with Patrick Mahomes. He was good with Donovan McNabb, Vic, whatever. So yeah, no, I have no qualms about Reed. it. Ultimately the only, like I said, the only reason he didn't make my list was H like, 64 he's older um and there's also i know there's been kind of some rumors in the last couple of years that maybe he might not stick around i think that everybody's kind of agreed that as long as mahomes is there he's going to be there but at the same time when you're 64 years old it doesn't take much and you've made he's made money he's won Super Bowls, he's got all the accolades he's got all the stuff he could just wake up one day after the season's over and it's like you know what no i'm not coming back i'm done so that's but in terms of offensive designers There's been, he's been the guy of the last 20 years and like McVay has been great and all the other guys have been great, but Reed has been the guy. He did it with Smith, McNabb, Vic, Mahomes. They've all been different. I will say about Alex Smith is Jimmy Garoppolo, the new Alex Smith. It could just be the fact that they both played for San Francisco, but like guys that were drafted, they were fine. They're not great. And then they got replaced by a younger, more athletic guy. And they just kind of were like, yeah, sure. I'll go ahead and I'll be the pro and I'll just show up, do my job, go home. Not really complain about it in the media or anything like that. Yes. I, okay. Cool. Just want to make <clears> sure I <throat> wasn't the only one with that realization. Jimmy, who's you
3: got three? <laughs> uh, my three. I have Kyle Shanahan for this one. Uh, as you mentioned, he definitely he's he has his he has his flaws, but he is a really strong offensive coach. And kind of your point that you made with John Harbaugh was like he does well with bringing on people with him. Like we saw with Robert Sala, he's able to bring on people that he's a deep. Robert Sala was a great defensive coordinator. Uh even this past year their defense was strong. Obviously they have good pieces yeah, D'Amico around that. Yeah,
2: Demico Ryan is really good. Shout out the, like to people that are listening right now. Demico Ryan's the that, that is the current DC of San Francisco, right? If I remember uh, right. Probably. I think it's I'm, I'm almost positive it's D'Amico. If it's not him, it's somebody else who's I know is really good. He got the most out of he, what he had last yeah. year and that okay. Yeah, he deserves the credit and he will be a head coach next season. Like unless the 49ers defense just becomes last and can't tackle anybody, he will be a head coach next year. There's no doubt about it, but go ahead, Jimmy.
3: Well, I gonna say, but that's the thing. Like, yeah, he's an offensive minded head coach, but he brings on the people that need to take care of his defense. And he's done that during his tenure there, even when Jimmy, Jimmy grapple was hurt and he's not that great of a quarterback. And he was still able, obviously he beat our Packers in the playoffs. He got them way farther than people thought. And probably they should have been, uh, they got to NFC championship game the uh, last, what two out of three years, uh, he had that whole season where they're paying, playing second and third string at quarterback. Like he, he finds a way to win, uh, even if it's mediocre or game manager quarterbacks. Like we said, Jimmy Garoppolo is a new Alex Smith. His best quality is being a game manager, which isn't bad. But then you need to have the pieces around him to do that. They, Debo Samuel was incredible last year. A lot of that is because of Kyle Shanahan's system. Um, so I think he just he puts his team in positions to win. Does he have his flaws? Yeah. People think he's overrated, Jacob Westendorf. Uh, but he's he's a good coach, and I would definitely love to start a franchise with him.
1: Yeah, he's definitely a coach that I know Packer fans for many different reasons don't like. But um, I personally don't have him on my list. But I mean, as far as being um, you know youthful, um, you know, if you're starting a franchise, I could definitely see it. Um, yeah, I I I wouldn't have any qualms with him being a coach. Um, I just know that there's a lot of Packer fans, and Jacob Westendorf probably is one of those that doesn't like him because, as of right now, it seems that he beats us when it matters more than than not. And I'm sure that's one of the bigger reasons why many Packer fans don't think highly. Oh yeah, of I'd never champion.
3: like I'd never like seeing the 49ers on our upcoming week. Like they, it seems like they just have our ticket. I know we beat them during the regular season this past year with the last second field goal but it just seems like when it matters somehow the 49ers just really uh know what to do I don't want to talk about it too much so I'm going to start crying no but uh, they, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have Sh- I didn't have
2: Shanahan up. on my list I had him as an honorable mention but anybody that questions his credentials it's like hey he has like the record for most passing yards and a quarterback's like first five games and it's Nick Mullins was the guy so I'm um, but like I'm so I'm going to like I tip the cap to him. Like I said, I didn't have him on my list because I think he comes up short in a few areas. And I'm going to continue to say that. And I, I don't think he's I'm not Jacob Westendorf. I don't think he's that overrated, but I definitely didn't have him in my top five. I did have one of his disciples, though. I have Matt LaFleur at three. I am the only person on the Packaday podcast with a Packer coach in the top five here. And I think LaFleur deserves to be there. Uh LaFleur through his first three seasons is, has 13 wins in all three of them. That is good enough for a uh, 79% win rate. Uh if this was if he had if he had the qualifier or qualification qualification for the enough games, he would be number one all time in terms of wins or like winning percentage by coaches. Uh the number one right now is Guy Chamberlain, who won, had a 78% win rate uh over the course of six years. Matt LaFleur has time and time again done everything that he can with what he's given. Uh, I didn't agree with his special teams decisions, but he's went out and he made an adjustment this offseason to where if this doesn't work, we're d- maybe it's, it, maybe it's not Sean Mc- or it's not Matt LaFleur at this point. Like he went out and it's like, okay, fine. You guys want a head coach that, or you want a special teams coach that knows what he's doing. I went and got the guy I got the guy. everybody on Packer Twitter wanted. I got the, I got the one. Okay. I didn't get the defensive coordinator you guys wanted, but I went and got a guy. I went and got the guy that you wanted. So if it's, if it doesn't work this year, it's not his fault anymore. Cause now he's done what he was supposed to do. Uh, but in terms of offense, yeah, Jordan love struggled. I'm not concerned about that. And anybody that, and we, Nick, you and I talked about it on the podcast in the last couple of months where that was not fair. Jordan love was in a bad situation on the road against a defense coordinator who thrives with chaos and love was not set up for success. And that wasn't the floor fault. That was just a bad spot and he was not going to be successful, but LaFleur consistently doesn't matter who is out there on the field. He figures out a way to put his team in positions to win. It helps to have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but like you said, I'm not going to knock him because Rodgers is there, just like you're not going to knock Reed because Mahomes is there. Reed's done it longer, but LaFleur is 42, so he's the youngest of the five guys that I have on this list. He, So I have plenty of longevity there. He has won three straight years. He, I think he is a player's coach, but I think he does it differently than a guy like Vrabel or Dan Campbell. They do it with like – they're big, rowdy, rambunctious guys. Obviously, they're both former NFL players. But LaFleur, I think just – I think players love playing for him because of like he – like it helps that he's younger, but he can just sit there and relate to him. I don't think I've ever heard a guy come out and have something bad to say about LaFleur in the three years that he's been here. And I don't see that changing. Like he got the, he got Aaron Rodgers, who everybody was like, oh, there's no way Rodgers is coming back. He's definitely leaving. Rodgers came back and won another freaking MVP. So apparently Rodgers isn't that pissed because he came back. Rodgers could have just not shown up, but he did. So I think LaFleur is young. I think he's an offensive mind that can innovate with whatever weapons he has. I mean, he's undefeated without Devontae Adams. Everybody's like, oh, Devontae Adams is going, he can't win. Well, they've done it every time. Every time devontae has been out, he's won last year with a rotating cast at offensive line. He figured it out. He just found a way to make it work that credit to Brian Gutekens for setting him up with good backups. But at a certain point, the coach has to get some credit. Damn it. Stop trying to get, stop trying to just mm-hmm. give everybody else credit and just give some to the guy that's calling the plays and is down on the sidelines and doing it every week. So I got LaFleur floor on here because he's just, I think he's only going to get better. And I think everybody's going to like, everybody gives him some credit. But as we saw today with you two, you didn't give him enough credit. <laughs> he
3: was number six,
2: but he wasn't top five. He wasn't. And he's, <laughs> he's three for me. I had him. I had him two and I moved him down one spot for a different guy. So Lafleur's on there. Um, and I think that if we do the same exercise next year, I think that he will be in your guys's list because he'll give you another year of saying, what else do you have to doubt me about? Because I've done is it he... again. Devonte yeah. Adams is gone. Cool. We went and we're great on offense again.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner.
3: If it wasn't for my man crush on Vrabel, he would have been five. I had him there. I crossed him out for Mike Vrabel. I switched those two from honorable mention. But no, he is a great head coach, I think. And part of me wonders, too, how much of it is like when everyone gives the Packers uh, slack for at times seeming like they abandon the run. How much is that of his play calling? And how much is that of what's being changed at the line of scrimmage? Like Because that, it, like Rodgers is going to change place. Every quarterback in the NFL changes place. That's their job. They're on the field well, at that time.
2: Certain ones it, have more freedom than others. Yeah.
3: Certain ones have more freedom. Rogers, has, Rogers freedom. has that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And so how much is that Lafleur calling the plays and how much of that is Rodgers is thinking, no, I can make a play right here with Devante. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of goes on from there. And after the Aaron Rodgers career, because we really probably only have a couple more seasons of that. So uh, time will tell with him. I think he is a great head coach. He will probably be in my top five next year because they will win the Super Bowl this year, obviously. Um, but uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, based on what Gage said, uh, Devonte Adams isn't there
1: anymore. So I mean, they're going to go seventeen and zero and win. Oh, that's every right,
2: play-off. Jimmy. You weren't even here for that a couple weeks ago. I did the math and saw that teams without Devonte Adams have actually won the Super Bowl every single year that he's been in the league. So therefore, by that math. The Raiders can be fully eliminated from the Super Bowl. Contention. Analytics, it it's it's simple math, really. Like, <laughs> teams without Devontae Adams have won the Super Bowl every year that he's been in the league. Teams with Devontae Adams have not won the Super Bowl since he's been in the yeah. league. So by that math, I mean the math checks out. And hashtag yeah. analytics
1: out here. I mean it's it's really at this point it's pretty much scientific, like it's it's, a formality. Honestly, you know, like
2: I don't even know why they're playing the games if we're being real here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, I agree. I, Matt LaFleur, I love him. Um, and I do think gauge that you're right. If we did this a year from now, he'd probably be in my top five. Um, and, and really the one thing that I will go off of gauge of what you said of just giving him credit. I mean, there is something for me, the way I view especially with the way everybody looks at drama. I mean, you know, when he was first hired, there was that rumor. Um, I, I think it's since been dispelled, but that Mark Murphy called Aaron Rodgers, you know, right after LaFleur was hired and told him don't be the problem. And even if that's not true, like there's that perception that Matt LaFleur can't control from the outside. And then everything that they went through last year, um, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, you know, saying that he wanted out of Green Bay, and the fact that he handled You know, all of the the off the field drama that went on with Aaron, um, the fact that they have a great relationship um, and that he you know, they haven't let it become a distraction clearly speaks to, you know, the kind of coach that he is as far as, you know, the outside noise. You know, everybody always says don't let the outside outside noise in. But like to say it is one thing to do it and, you know, actually keep it out and just focus on football is a completely different thing. And Matt LaFleur certainly through his, you know, short career with the Packers has done that. So. Um, one
3: of the, last thing on that, one of the big things too for that off season was Rogers multiple, every time never blamed LaFleur, never, whenever he said he liked being there, he liked the players, he liked the coaches, he never threw the floor under the bus. It was always front office stuff he had problems with. And I and Rogers at that point, how vocal he's being, if he had a problem with the floor, he was gonna say he had a problem with the floor, in my yep. mind at least. So for him to for Rodgers only to praise him, I think just shows he has everyone in that organization on his side.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, my number three here, um, I've got John Harbaugh at number three. Um, Gage, I know you had him at four. Um, like I said, when we talked about, you know, the Harbaugh's, I really like their their mentality. John Harbaugh, I really like his mentality. Um, you know, he's been a solid, consistent coach for what, the, the, the 15-ish years that he's been, you um, you know with the with the Ravens they're they're consistently a good solid well coached team even in the years when they haven't been you know a playoff team or competing they don't look like a bad disorganized team they they always seem like they have their stuff together even if they're not winning games they kind of know what's going on and i mean i know Harbaugh took a lot of flack this past year for what the two or three times that he went for two point conversions at the end of games that more than likely would have won them the game if they had been successful. I know he caught a lot of flack for that, but I mean, the reality is he only he's only catching flack for it because it didn't turn out the way that, they wanted it to, if, if you flip that and those two or three times that he did it and they, they win games because of it, we, you know, we'd be calling him a genius for, for what he, for what he's doing, trying to win games. So, I mean, there is that perception, but, and I can also understand that people argue, well, the sign of a good coach is, you know, kind of knowing your team and maybe do you put your team in that situation? But I know at least two of those times, you know, it was kind of, they were in situations where they probably at the point in the game, weren't favored to necessarily win it. And it's like, all right, well, this is our best chance. Kind of like kind of like in 15 when the Packers played the Cardinals in in the divisional round of the playoffs after that Hail Mary. I know everybody said, well, based on what you got going on, just go for two and try to win it in regulation. They didn't do that. But um, I think John Harbaugh is a great coach. Um, Obviously, at 59, he's again, still up there a little bit in age like Gage had pointed out. But I think he's a solid, consistently well, well well-rounded coach who's always got his team Prepared. They don't ever seem unprepared um, since he's been the coach. So I've got John Harbaugh at three. Um, Jimmy, let's go back to you. Uh, We're getting into the top two here now. Who's your number two?
3: I went with Mike Tomlin for number two. Uh, I think he's one of the best, if not the best player coach in the NFL. He has led the Steelers to not having a single losing season under his regime as head coach. And also he's been playing with a shell of himself of Ben Roethlisberger the last however many seasons. Uh, and, and the biggest thing, and they mentioned this on the ringer podcast too, of like he made Antonio Brown look like a normal human for all the years he was with Pittsburgh. And then finally they were like, okay, we'll trade him, And we see how that went. Can't stick on a team. Uh, he, he takes players and he buys them and he gets them into the system. Everyone that has ever left Mike Tomlin has only had good things to say about him. And obviously he's able to put in a winning team. Have they been very successful the last few seasons of being like actual contenders? No, but looking at their roster last year, I really think if you would put some of some different coaches in charge of the Steelers, the last few seasons, there's no chance they would have had a winning record nine and seven for the Steelers last year with Ben Roethlisberger, probably a little bit better than my grandma, Judy, like is impressive for them to be able to win nine games. Uh, and now, especially with the commitment, I, the defense is always good for that team. I was going to say for this coming season two with Najee Harris and everything, like just seeing how they're going to do with this team. I think Tomlin is a great person to start a franchise around because they are all, all are going to come together. And I really do think having the player coach at the start to get everyone bought in and playing their best is one of the top things you can do.
1: Absolutely, Jimmy. And I I got to agree with you. I have Mike Tomlin as well as my number two coach. um, And for a lot of the same reasons as you pointed out. But I mean, you know, you you think about Antonio Brown, the fact that, I mean, he was apparently the way he's always been, you know, even in Pittsburgh. And we didn't find out about it until after he left Pittsburgh. And and I know it's it's a far less thing. But, you know, when when Le'Veon Bell was there as well, he apparently wasn't, you know, as as happy as as it turned out to be. I mean, You know, you had Roethlisberger, Bell, and Antonio Brown all in the same team, and I mean, we looked at them as just like the royalty that we typically do look at them as, and like nobody knew any of the craziness that was going on inside that locker room, and And he dealt
3: with Juju, all
1: those damn TikToks. Yeah, I don't know how he helped. Okay, Juju gets way more flack than that than he deserves. I
2: no, -uh, no, no. (laughs) If you're nobody, no, nobody gave a shit until
3: they lost. No one cared. No one I still think it's annoying. If is you would, fun? if you would see a Packer player dance in other teams' logos before the game, I know Jamal Williams danced before games. Completely different, but like the dancing on the logos, and then the the uh, no, that was Antonio Brown that did the in locker room recording. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just think there's times, especially when after you lose, maybe don't post a video of you dancing. Maybe take but, a little time off, especially if it's running T base wrong. Doing, he was doing that
2: all year. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. he posted those TikToks every week. All season long, teammates in it, dancing on the logo before every he did that all year long. Nobody said a word. Not Stephen A, not Skip Bayless, not any of those other clowns said a word well, until they're all Pittsburgh clowns. lost. I, I know what I said. Nope. <laughs> They're all clowns. All the ones that had a problem with it didn't say a word until they lost because that's what everybody does. Everybody wants to be like, oh, hindsight 2020 now. You didn't have a problem with it when Pittsburgh was rolling people 30 to nothing in week two. You only said something once they lost. I get the aspect of the annoying thing. I honestly don't think Tomlin had an issue with it until until it became a national thing. And he's and he's yeah. like, he's like, hey, how about we chill out? Like I'm sure yeah. Tomlin's like, I don't care. Let's right. chill out though.
1: Well, and but I mean, I think that that speaks, though, to Tomlin in the sense that Mike Tomlin had to have known the entire time that Juju Smith was doing that, that like, what what I was going to say is that like, Yeah. Okay. Like we're winning right now. Nobody cares, but Tomlin was also, he's got to be smart enough to know that like, if things start, if we start losing, like it's going to become an issue and it did become an issue and he still handled it very, very well. I feel like, um, just more speaks to it that he, he had to have known it was going to become a problem at some point. Um And the fact that, you know, when it did become a problem, like you said, Gage, he was just kind of like, can, can we all chill out here? You know, like, yeah, because you know. like he
2: was he would do tick tocks in the locker room with teammates like he yeah. I'm sure Tomlin was like, I don't care. And I'm sure even when Tomlin at the like when Juju stopped doing it, Tom was probably like, I don't care, dude. It's it doesn't matter. You're just having fun. I get that. I don't care at all. Just let's go ahead and chill out on it. Just so that way everybody else shuts up about it because it it doesn't need to be a thing. I don't think way, it matters Tomlin until like.
3: Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't think it matters until one national media. I don't think it cares. Like you said, skip. Yeah. yeah. A, they're clowns. Like, but when your fan base starts getting annoyed about it, that's kind of when it's like, okay, we probably should chill out a little bit, especially like you said, no one cares about anything. If you're winning, like no one yeah. does, it doesn't matter if it's dancing. It doesn't matter if whatever it is, no one cares when you're winning. But when he started losing, everything becomes under a microscope. So if yes, that's, a little I mean, fix, no one wanted do. to
2: pay attention to the fact that Ben was a absolute shell and couldn't do anything. No one wanted to pay attention to that. No, it's definitely juju dancing. That's the, that's the issue. I was like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> by the way, Tomlin is a guy that I almost overlooked. And then he ended up being, we'll get to him in a minute for me. He's number one on my list. We, wait, he, mean- I, I almost overlooked him. I almost overlooked him. And, but I, and I was like, wait a minute, Mike Tomlin exists. That's number one on my list. <laughs> So so Gage, um, who's number two on your list? I have Sean McDermott, who I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard you guys mention him yet. Uh, not even as an honorable mention. Um, Sean McDermott has been great. he's been he's been great in uh Buffalo. He's gotten Josh Allen to where Josh Allen is now a borderline MVP candidate every year. I believe he is either the favorite or I think he's either the favorite or top three uh, for MVP uh, odds right now across all sports books. He uh, McDermott's only 48. So I love that he is the second youngest coach on my, or actually third youngest coach. Cause I forgot to switch McVay in there. So third youngest coach. Um, he actually hand selected his GM. I don't know if you guys knew that fact. Yeah. No, it's Brandon not- Bean did not pick Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott picked Brandon Bean. That, that doesn't happen most of the time. That is the case in Buffalo. And um Brandon Bean's done pretty damn well up in Buffalo as far as GM GMing goes. Um <clears throat> McDermott, uh, he is he knows how to get good offensive guys and good offensive play callers because he's a defensive-minded guy. The Bills defense has been great. Uh, pretty much every year that he's been there I love their secondary Micah Hyde Jordan Poyer has become was a guy that was a cast off like I believe he was either a UDFA or a 7th round pick for Cleveland and then was a cast off from there and then Buffalo picked him up and then now he's a like all pro safety for the last like 3 or 4 years all under McDermott so um he knows how to get the most out of his guys and as far- and he's always a fire he's always a fiery dude he should have gone to a Super Bowl because I think that Buffalo rolls Cincinnati. I think if Buffalo plays Cincinnati, I think they roll them. But they didn't. He got beat by a coin flip because it's the way the NFL needs to decide games is by a piece of metal in the middle of a grass field. Um <clears throat> But, but yeah, Sean McDermott absolutely is uh, is great. Uh, l- I love watching him coach too, just because he gives a shit. Like he he's passionate. He's sitting there fighting against Bill Belichick, who we've all agreed is the greatest coach of all time. Hey, Sean. Yeah, you're going to be a first time head coach. You're going to have a rookie quarterback who is country strong, doesn't know, just whips fastballs all over the place. And um, you get to go against Bill Belichick twice a year. Have freaking fun, dude. And he's done it. So that's where I'm Sean McDermott
1: got two for me. I will say I, I kind of forgot about Sean McDermott. Um, I'd probably put him on my list. Uh, I, if you are, especially too just in my lifetime, like the bills have been like up until now, they've been like the jets, like they suck. Um, and so now that they're good, um, Yeah, that that he was definitely somebody I overlooked. I'd probably put him on my list. Uh, One just real quick aside. I understand the coin flip thing, but you got to play defense for 13 seconds. I'm sorry. I, I can't I can't blame a coin flip for an overtime loss.
2: I'm gonna blame a coin flip for an overtime loss from the standpoint of did the Chiefs play defense? Oh, wait, they didn't have to because a coin toss said they didn't have to. Gabe Davis, who is now the hottest name in fantasy football, had like 200 yards and four touchdowns over the course of like what seemed like five minutes of real lifetime. I know it was longer than that. It was the entire game. But Gabe Davis, the like fourth string wide receiver on that Bills team behind Manny Sanders, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs, fourth string guy behind Dawson Knox, the tight end,
0: toasted
2: you, toasted you for an entire, for three hours. But yeah, go ahead and sit here and tell me that just, oh, like them not playing defense. Also, they did all that without their number one corner, by the way. tredavius White did not play in that game. So I get it. I get <laughs> I
3: it. I agree. They shouldn't have.
2: They should have let it get to overtime. But at the same time, you that's I don't I still don't agree with the overtime system. That's that's where my beef is. My beef isn't with. Yeah, they shouldn't have let it happen. But the, the coin flip is
1: where my issue is. I agree with
2: you. But. I disagree with the way that it's it's all right.
1: You know that well. That's a whole topic for a for a full show. So maybe we can do that next week. We can talk about Bills, Chiefs, overtime, and and fix the (laughs) NFL overtime rules. Right, right in time. Right in time for training camp to start. So, um, all right. So, well, we've got our our top five. We got our number ones now. Uh, So, am I the only one that's got Mike McCarthy as my number one coach? Shut up.
2: (laughs) You're great. I'm pretty sure you and Jimmy had the same number one. If I'm not mistaken.
3: Mike McDaniel. Yes. Uh, no, I did. Uh, obviously, Sean McVay was. I'm assuming Nick used. Yeah,
1: and if yep, I have Sean McVay as well.
3: All the reasons Gage mentioned earlier. Uh, obviously, him possibly leaving, which is a very real thing. I do. I wonder if he is going to be coaching four or five years from now, just because, as I mentioned, the the TV contracts are so big. We saw what Tom Brady got. Sean McVay is very good at it. Um, so he could be tempted away from that, but what he can do on the offensive side of the ball, making Jared Goff look like a good quarterback to get a huge contract, he is an offensive genius. His coaching tree, as Gage mentioned, is everywhere. Zach Taylor probably should not be a coach, but got the team to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, he is—he's an offensive genius. He's—he's uh, he's really good. He brings people on his team. The uh, Staley hire that he got as defensive coordinator obviously paid off. Now he's the Chargers head coach, but. He knows what he's doing. He's getting the stars on this team. People want to play there one, because it's LA and it's beautiful weather Two, because you have a great head coach and a great team. Um, And the Rams, we saw what they did under Jeff Fisher. And then the next year, Sean McVay completely turned it around. So uh, I definitely think he deserves to, to start a franchise.
1: Yeah. I've got him as number one as well. And I mean, Ah, uh, for all the reasons that you said, Jimmy. But one of the other reasons why I have them um, number one is you know we talked about with Bill Belichick. If you're starting a franchise, you know one of the big things is how do you make your team relevant? And you know I know Los Angeles has changed a lot, but I mean if you think about the city of Los Angeles and everything that they have out there, it is very easy to become very irrelevant very quickly. Um, and from moving, you know, they were out there at one point, they moved to St. Louis and they moved back and you know, like I said, with everything that's already out there, you know, how do you make the l a Rams relevant? Well, winning a whole lot of games and going to two super Bowls in what four years, that helps uh, five years so, so yep, so but two super Bowls in five years and you're co- constantly competitive you've have they missed the playoffs yet under mcVeigh, I don't think they have. Um I know his first year they lost to Atlanta, then they went to the Super Bowl. Uh they, they lost to us two years ago. They were in the you know, they won the Super Bowl this past year. So I mean, as far as it since he's been there, you know, he's made that team relevant in a city that is very easy to become irrelevant, like the LA Chargers, who are bad and they're irrelevant because well, they're, they're they're coming up now a little bit with, with Justin Herbert. They've got things moving in the right direction. But, I mean, even with that, I mean, you talk about, you know, it's completely apples and oranges between the Chargers and the Rams right now as far as who's the more relevant team. So it's very easy to become irrelevant. Um, and he, he got the Rams to be very relevant in, a, in, like I said, in a city that's very hard to be relevant in.
3: What a weird thing, though, for, like, a city that is going to have – and even the Chargers last year, they weren't bad. They just – they obviously they fell short to the Raiders, but they have it's a city that doesn't have the most football fans right now. And they have two one very good team and one team that's supposed to be very good. Like, it's just like a weird that team should or that city should be absolutely packed with fans. But for some reason, I know they're they're newer to the city, but that that should be a dominant home game. But it's just not right now. But they have they two actually, good teams.
2: They, they missed the playoffs in his third season. uh OK, they went nine and seven um that was the year so green bay 13 and 3 and the saints also went 13 and 3 uh then you had the seahawks were 11 and 5 they got the they were your first wild card team oh the 49ers were also 13 and 3 that year um so that was the year the 49ers went to the super bowl lost to the chiefs seahawks 11 and 5 eagles won your uh nfc east at 9 and 7 so and the rams were also 9 and 7 so they would have been if it was a year later when there was another wild card team they would have made it but they came up short um that was obviously Jared Goff was still the quarterback there. They yeah, had an sh- idiot. Yep. <laughs> I know. I just, I happened to pull it up. Cause I was like, I I was like, I feel like they missed the playoffs at some point, but that is why it was, uh, Jared Goff went at 22 touchdowns, 16 picks. They came up a bit short that year. Todd Gurley got hurt. Didn't even rush for a thousand yards. So, but yeah, no Sean McVay. Like I said, the only reason he's not one on my list is because he might leave. If you, that is the only reason I didn't have him one. And I already met and told you guys my one, it is Mike Tomlin. Um, got Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell to look like normal human beings for the majority of their time in uh Pittsburgh before they left and then they couldn't exactly stick on a team anywhere else the only reason that Antonio Brown stayed in Tampa Bay so long was because Tom wanted him to be there Tom like you said he has been he's never had a losing season with Pittsburgh and he's been there a long time he's been there since 2007 uh he's 154-85 and 2 um, he's only 8 and 9 in the playoffs, but I'm not going to ding him too much for the last couple of years because Ben is Ben. He's got 10 playoff berths under his belt. Uh, seven times he's won the AFC North. He's gone to two AFC or won two AFC championships. Uh, he's won a Super Bowl. Um, he's He 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 made the playoffs last year when I'm pretty sure all three of us could throw the ball further than Ben. That's the, So that's just he is the – and he's also only 50 years old too. So that's another thing that I loved. And like I said, I almost forgot him when I was going through and I was like, wait a minute, nope, you have to be on this list. You absolutely deserve to be on here. Um, So nothing but good things about Mike Tomlin. Um, He's got a great track record. Um, He has been around a long time. He is a great players coach, which I think that that was a big thing for all of us. All of us wanted guys that, are good players coaches. I think Bill Belichick is the only one that's not really a players coach, but I think he's a players coach in a different way in that if he's bringing you into a system, you know, that there's a plan for you. And so you can respect him in that way. But yeah, Tomlin, uh, I think has been an underrated class of coaching over the last 15 years or however long he's been there, because he just consistently shows up and wins and that's Mm -hmm. all you want your coach to do. You have a guy with 15 years of experience, wins, was super young when he started, does everything you could ever want from him, and he's got a super bowl under his belt. So
3: agreed.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know as far as we're all concerned, you know, Mike Tomlin, two, two, and and one. So uh well, and you know, Gage, we said that we weren't gonna, you know, put a put a location on this. Well, I mean, we all know the thirty-third NFL team is gonna be over in London. Isn't that isn't that where our thirty-third team is gonna be going in the next uh you know, two, three years. And then as the soon, eventually we'll have like 36 teams. We'll have a complete division over overseas. Isn't that what's going to be happening? That
2: is so dumb. It is, I cannot express how dumb that would be, how dumb of a concept that is. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand why the NFL is. I get it. I get that there's a fan base over there, but stop. It doesn't work. It <laughs> doesn't work. You have to play every every single one of their games has to be played at 9 a.m. to get maximum viewership. It has to you you just it doesn't work. Also, 33 teams doesn't work. You now have one you're going to have one division out of eight that doesn't have the right balance. It doesn't work. You want to go ahead and make an NFL Europe like they had years and years ago. That's that's another thing. That's fine. You want and then at the end of the year you want to have the NFL Europe champ play the NFL like regular champ. That's that's cool. Gives you another game to monetize. You got all the NFL Europe games you can monetize. That's different, but you can't you can't just add one team because it doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I, it, the NFL I feel like has had like the perfect setup for years. Like I thought sixteen games was perfect. I thought six playoff teams was perfect. Um, and you know now we have seventeen games, which I think is stupid. Uh, you've got seven playoff teams in each division or each conference, which I think is stupid. The seven, two matchups have been atrocious for the most part. And like, I'm sorry. Like, as like, I'm going to watch the Packers giants game in London. I'm going to be up for that, but like, and maybe it's just me as a fan. I don't like games at 9. AM. Like, I don't want to be up at that time watching football. Like it's just also, not we think a bad day for day. us. We're, we're on, I'm on East coast.
2: That's not East coast is 9. AM. Like, that means if you – let's say you live in California and you're a Packer fan.
3: Which that's 6 a.m., yeah.
2: That's a 6 a.m. <laughs> kickoff.
3: Hey, you got to start out. drinking sometime. Might as well do it at <laughs> 6 a.m.
2: some of those people could watch the game and then go to church. Most of us are used to like the whole, you go to church and then you go to, and then you watch the game. No, they could watch the full game, watch post game coverage, watch post game interviews, and then still make it to late service. It doesn't, it's dumb. It's dumb. It doesn't make any sense. I know. So no, the whole, and make it, put it in, put it in London. No, don't agree. I feel like
3: Canada should be the next country to get a team. They got the Toronto Raptors. Toronto whatever baseball team they have like you might as well just the
4: blue, put jays. A up there,
2: blue jays like here's the thing yeah Canada would work but at the same time that's not where I mean again 33 is the thing that messes with me the most it's like it doesn't work also we yeah, got to say we've been rambling for an hour we can talk yeah about- <laughs> I, was just,
1: I was just about to say it so let me first say if you are listening and you are still listening at this point Thank you. Like truly, truly. Thank you. We're over an hour into this thing. You're still listening to us ramble on here. Uh, you're, you're the like true devoted fan to this podcast. So thank you. Um, real quick guys, we'll wrap things up. Jimmy, people want to follow you, get in touch with your work. How can they do that?
3: Uh, follow me on Twitter, Jimmy underscore C 8 Everything's on
1: there. All right. Engage real quick. People follow I uh, want to follow you, get in touch with your work. How can they do that?
2: As always at tw- on Twitter, at G Bridgeford NFL, all of my work for all of my sites is over there. All of the, everything that I work on nuggets, Packers, fantasy football game, like whatever, it's all going to be
1: over there. All right. Awesome. And you can follow me on Twitter at producer Nick LB um, guys. We are like literally like 15 days away from training camp. There's going to be, Packers news galore in just a couple of weeks here Um, we're almost there guys preseason's right around the corner it's going to be great stay tuned right here to the Pack a Day podcast we'll keep you up to date on everything Packers going on uh, leading into training camp through training camp through preseason into the regular season it's going to be a fun year Um, so thank you for spending your Sunday with us thank you so much for listening everyone and as always go Pack go